Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to A Court of Books and Booze, our basement book club, Breezeway Book Club, <laughs> all of the things book club. I am the Skywalker. <laughs> I had to. I had to. <laughs> I'm Amanda, and I am joined with our lovely co-host, Skylar, I will not call you that, and Jessica. My two very best friends in the entire world. And we, together, are going to summarize the current book that we've all been reading separately and dive into a discussion on all our questions and hypotheses that have plagued us through our journeys. So, today, we are going over Tower of Dawn by Sarah J. Moss. Book six in the Throne of Glass series. Lovely, lovely. So, with this book, we actually did a tandem read with... Empire of Storms, which was our previous episode. Go listen to that. Fantastic book where we, you know, gave our little synopsis, talked about a bunch of stuff. <laughs> little synopsis. <laughs> you know, in the grand scheme, it was about half the episode, but that's okay. And then gave our ratings. And now we're going to do the same thing with the next book. And we're recording these back to back and I am very tired, but that is all right. <laughs> and obviously we are drinking. Because it's, it's books and booze. And it's 1230 at night, so <laughs> it's all right. So I have, because we didn't do this last episode, as Jess so kindly pointed out, I'm drinking Amaretto Sour. I've been on a real kick with those. Jess, what are you drinking? I have this uh, green apple sangria sort of thing, minus the fruit. Mm, that sounds it's, good. It's pretty good. It was uh, blueberry Moscato and pineapple juice, Sprite, and this green apple puree by Monin Brand. Pretty good. Man, what a mix. It's tasty. You can get them pre-made at Olive Garden. (laughs) Ah, the inspiration. I love it. Sky, what are you drinking? Uh, Well, I've got Bud Light sitting in front of me and a bottle of McGillicuddy's to my side that I haven't really been drinking a whole lot. So... Talk about a combo. Man, McGillicuddy's. They're butter shots. That's that guy's thing. Your family hand McGillicuddy's, I can't. <laughs> there's always trouble when there's a bottle of McGillicuddy's around, I feel like, when it comes to the Goldens. It's something. We try to grow trees, and but it just never works. Have yeah. you guys never heard that? Nope. What did you just say? I don't know you what you said. You grow a McGillicuddy's tree. So what you do... What? Uh, well, first <laughs> of all, there is a rule in my family that when a bottle of McGillicuddy's gets open, the cap gets lost. And you have to finish the bottle. Oh, boy. <laughs> and the second rule is, is when you finish the bottle, you're supposed to take it outside and plant it in the ground so you can grow more McGillicuddy's. <laughs> you guys are so dumb. <laughs> the cap getting lost, so you have to... You know what? That must have happened at your wedding with Gunner. We lost the cap, so we had to down it before the It definitely started. happened at Gunner's wedding. <laughs> and we don't. Talk. it almost happened at your wedding. We don't we don't talk about the level of inebriated that my darling brother was at our wedding. <laughs> we we don't talk about that. Just like we don't talk, talk about him wiping his shoes on my carpet. It is what it is. We so. joke about it, <laughs> but it's as far as it goes. <laughs> it's like the most subtle inside joke ever where it's no words are spoken. We just wipe our feet on your rug. No shoes on, but you get what we're saying. But other than that, is everyone doing all right? Work's going okay? Kids are okay? Everything's fine. They're snoozing right now. Gosh, I wish I was snoozing right now. No, you I, don't. I, I You're ready you for this. I love you guys. Man, <laughs> I need to down this drink. I lose, lose the bottle cap. I need to go. <laughs> I think during this episode, this bottle on the Killicuddy's might be getting passed back and forth. There we go. Tower of Dawn's about to be lit. <laughs> I'm sleeping in that's tomorrow. The only, that's the only way it's going to be lit. That's the problem. <laughs> so speaking of which, we're going to mix up, obviously, as you can tell, the way we do things a little bit. Skylar let me do the intro. I think that the world is burning or something that he let me do the intro. But I'm doing a hell of a good job. I'm just going to toot my own horn right now. You're doing toot, way toot. better than I normally do. So. <laughs> so on the splurge of you know mixing things up, Skylar is going to read the, the synopsis. 
today. We're going to give Jess's voice a little break. And he is so excited with all the names he gets to pronounce in the oh, synopsis. Oh, man. This is a It's going to be fantastic. One, I am so excited to finally uh, listen to one of these. Well, okay. So let's, uh, let's just get the cat out of the bag right now. You guys have probably caught it throughout this entire series as we've been going through these episodes. I am horrible at pronouncing names. <laughs> That's why I asked you to do it. I'm so excited. I am oh, absolutely horrid. So You know what I'm excited for? I'm excited to see you struggle with it and then Jess get frustrated <laughs> with how you're pronouncing it. Because she's like, I told you a million times that's not how you say it. It's Irene. <laughs> it's not Ren. Ren sounds better though. It doesn't. It does. Good God. <laughs> Read the synopsis, word boy. Word boy. Let's go, let's go. Word boy. What does that even mean? <laughs> so Jess has a beautiful uh, four Face. and a half pages. She does. It's beautiful. Four and a half pages for me to read on uh, Tower of Dawn. Oh boy. Maybe you should have looked at it before you. Oh, no. He's the mic's guy. <laughs> this is the first time I've looked at this. <laughs> this is. If we need to this trade is off, five yes. pages. If we need to trade off, we can. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> crack the neck, stretch the back, arm circles. Oh my goodness! <laughs> That's the most Whoa. stretching I've done all year, man. <laughs> Dude, don't even get me started. Do some freaking yoga. He did a lap dance earlier. <laughs> <laughs> That was a, I'm moving in front of you. Oh, lap dance. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> it's still the best lap dance I've ever gotten. So there you go. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Tower of Dawn. Kaol and Nezrin arrive in the beautiful seaside city of Antica. They see white cloth hanging from windows everywhere and realize someone important has died. They reach the palace where the Kagan and his six children live. Tradition in Annika says his heirs will eventually battle it out for the throne. Nezrin is emotional about arriving in Antica, where her father is from, and where her aunt, uncle, and cousins still reside. Upon greeting the Kagan, Cal presents a large amount of gold and jewels Aelin sent. The Kagan rejects it. He addresses Kaol's injuries and permits him to work with the Torre Sesme healers. He will send a healer to Kaol's suite in the morning. Sartak says their sister, Tumalin, has died. The Kagan then informs them Rifthold has been sacked by witches. Kaol's worried about Dorian and knows Nezrin's in shock about her family's possible fate. Kashin tells Kaol how the Tori healers have helped many people with injuries similar to his. He invites them to their family dinner each night. He speaks of his sister's suicide, but says he believes she might have been murdered. Irene Towers has been training and healing with her magic at the Tori Sesme for two years. Hafiza, the healer on high, heard Irene is leaving them soon to head home. And help the injured on the battlefield in the war they all know is coming. Adderland soldiers killed her mother for possessing magic many years ago, and Irene wants to help her homeland defeat them. Hafiza asks one last thing of Irene, to heal a special guest of the Kagan. It will be a long healing process that will delay her departure. Hafiza thinks healing an enemy will heal the old wound and Irene, and she agrees and assesses him. Irene is late to her evaluation of Kaol. She's ruder than she's been ever been to a patient because he served the king who had her mother killed. Kaol is different than she expected, an Adderlinian soldier to be. The dark magic tangled his spine, and his spine will make healing tricky. Irene arrives at the royal dinner and intentionally doesn't look at Kaol or Kashin. Kashin talks to Kaol about Irene, and he can tell Kashin is romantically interested in her. 
Kayal is worried and furious when Nezreen gets home late into the night from her visit with her family. Irene tells Kayal she will try to heal him. She warns him to be careful what he says in the palace. They talk about Annika and its differences from Adderlin. She examines him and tells he tells her of the horror aligned with Parrington and what he'll be fighting once again. If she can heal him, she'll research this dark power at the Torrey Library. K.R. requests a private meeting with the Coggin during their next family meal, but the Coggin denies it and says his focus is on helping his wife grieve their daughter. Irene studies ancient books in a desolate part of the library and finds one about the vault. She feels that she is being watched. When she is almost back to the main area, she finds someone murdered. The girl looks much like Irene. She can hear someone behind her but gets away. When Irene arrives the next morning, she tells Kayal what happened. It sounds like a Volg demon murdered the girl. He wonders if one might have murdered Tumalin, too, which would mean that they were already the here. He wants Irene to be very careful. Irene asks him to help teach a self-defense class to the young healers. Irene has a special device that will allow him to ride a horse to the Torre. Both Irene and Kayal are exhausted after their first magical healing session. She didn't have much luck in her first go, but saw visions from Kaol's past and heard words like Morath. It will take a long time to get through the darkness. Nezrin is in the airy early one morning. Sartak offers to let her ride Kadara with him, and she loves it. Later, she goes into the city to investigate how the Volg demon got into the Torah and runs into Sartak again. They search the city together, for them but find nothing. Irene oversleeps the next morning due to her exhaustion from her session with Kayal. A crowd of girls have gathered in front of the Torre for their self-defense lesson. They are excited to see Kayal. Irene tells the girls about Kayal's injury and his brace. She asks the girls to volunteer to help him dismount into his chair, which isn't a good experience for him. He helps Irene teach the self-defense class. Cashin greets them in the palace courtyard upon return. He tells Irene he has put guards in place at the Torre to try to keep them safe. Back in Kaol's room, Irene attacks the black magic on his back again. Kaol sees painful memories about how his dad treated him. Irene ends up with a bloody nose from the strain of the session. She saw Morath and its armies. Kaol orders her to rest before she leaves, and his toes begin to move. Hassar calls Irene to her and asks Irene to try to get information about Aelin from Kaol. Hassar thinks maybe the Torre attack was orchestrated by Kaol and Nezrin to get the Kagan to join their war. Hassar vaguely threatens to let Irene leave Annika if she doesn't play spy for her, and she reluctantly agrees. Kaol is already in the courtyard on his horse with one for her when Irene finally rises from a long rest the following morning. She puts him through a few exercises right there in the courtyard while he's on the horse. She needs to check on a couple patients before they begin. Kaol's full session at the palace. He goes with her. They decide not to do a session today, so Irene gives him a tour of the city by horseback. That night, Kaol and Nezrin go to a royal party together. Hazar tells Nezrin to move to make room for Irene, which is kind of awkward. Sartak and Nezrin come to join him. Kaol assumes whatever Irene was keeping from him earlier goes hand in hand with the display by Hazar. Kaol and Irene keep their conversation professional because they know everyone is listening. After dinner, the party really begins with music, dancers, and incest. Incest. Oh, God. <laughs> it does not have incest. Let's go with uh, incense. All the incest <laughs> in these books. This is Game of Thrones, babe. <laughs> Jeez. Can, uh... After dinner... The party really begins with music, dancers, and incense laced with opiates. Kaol sees Nezrin walk to a place to view the festivities with Sartak. He sees Kashin 
lean over to invite Irene with him. So Kaol beats him to it with an invitation of his own. They move to a couch and speak to each other in code. The opiates beginning to affect them. Irene t- tells Kaol she needs some small bit of info to take to Hussar. Like a possible place to search for Aelin. Kaol has to act like he's entranced and willing to give her intel. It's hard for them to tell what's real and what isn't between them due to the opiate smoke. He gives the location of Skulls Bay for Irene to take back to Hussar because she doesn't think Aelin because he doesn't think Aelin would ever return there. Nezrin tells Kaol she's tempted to go with Sartak when he flies to his people to see if they have any information on the vault. Kaol asks Nezrin to tell him about her time with her family. She knows whatever passed between him and Irene at the party was real, but stays and talks to him until they're both asleep. Irene finds Kaol and Nezrin asleep in the bed the next morning and she rushes out. Internally panicking, Kaol explains nothing happened and Irene is embarrassed that she feels relieved. Kaol's attention snags on a new scroll she's brought because word marks are on it. He tells her to hide all of it immediately. She puts the scrolls in a spare pair of boots. She tells him of something new she read in the library. There are two other kings besides Erewhon. Orcus and Mantix? They were defeated and either killed or sent back to their realm long ago. Sartak finds Nezrin with Kadara. He asks her to accompany him when he goes to visit his people. He'll be gone a few weeks. He decides to she decides to go with him without even asking Kayal or telling him goodbye. The following morning he sees the note from Nezrin. He's mad he treated her badly enough that she left. Sartak and Nezrin set up camp after flying far from Antica. They discuss Nezrin's people and the accurate information Sartak has from his spies surprises her. He even knows about her bow and arrow shot that saved Lysandra. Irene is confused when Kael's in a bad mood during their next session. She tries to get the reason out of him, but they fight and he tells her to leave. She learns from Hassar that Nezrin's left with Sartak. That evening, Irene goes back to see Kael, being understanding now. She feels something following her and barely makes it to Kale's room in time. They barricade the door and the creature pounds to get in, whispering Irene's name. Palace guards appear shortly after and no culprit is found. Nezrin and Sartok travel in the bitter cold. Nezrin learns about the different Nezrin learns about the different Redkin clans and the rivalries between them. Sartok asks her not to refer to his royalty among his clan. Among them, he's known simply as Captain. When they arrive at the mountain home of Sartak's clan, Nezrin meets Bort. Nezrin meets Bort, his hearth sister. Bort challenges Nezrin to see how good her archery is. She hits her target again and again and impresses Bort, who is training to be the next hearth mother and must learn many things in addition to fighting. So she asks Nezrin to teach her archery. Sartak introduces Nezrin to... Sartak introduces Nezrin to Howlin, the clan's earth, hearth mother and Bort's grandmother, who was just returned home. An honor lady and merchant named Falcon is there for, with her. She feels an ancient evil stirring in the mountains and was checking on the ruck nests that have been raided. She believes, she believes it's Stygian spiders. Nezrin always believed the spiders were myths. Falcon has proof they're real, a piece of cloth made from their unusual silk. He bartered 20 years of his life for pieces of spider silk, but now he wants them back. Howlin wants Sartak to help search for the spiders. Howlin dismisses Falcon and asks Nezrin whether the darkness is starting again. Howlin is also a story keeper and tells of a rip that occurred in the world long ago and let demonic creatures in. Kael and Irene head back to the Tory library to determine how these books and scrolls ended up there. Nausha, the head librarian, doesn't know. Nausha suggests they look for information in desert caves in the Aksara, Aksara, Aksara Oasis, which is not accessible by the public. It's a private refuge for the royals. Irene might be able to request access from Hassar. Irene and Kaol go out for dinner in Antica. 
They learn a lot about each other as they eat. Kale feels lighter afterwards, like there's something that's been in his chest his whole life that finally lifted. Nezrin and Sartok fly to the watchtower to look for the Karankui, the Stygian spiders of the southern continent. They enter the tower and quickly discover it's booby-trapped. They maneuver through the trap safely to make it to the dungeon, but a spider bigger than a horse attacks them. After a decent fight, a giant gray wolf rescues them, letting them run free. Kadara attacks and kills a spider when the wolf lures it outside. Falcon is the wolf. He's a shapeshifter. Howlin remembered more stories while they were gone, this time about the three word keys. Sartok follows Nezrin to her room to question her. Kael's legs are regaining strength and movement through his knee. He's trained with the Antican soldiers in the morning and combats the darkness and the pain of healing in the afternoon. He continues to help train the female healers in self-defense. Kale gets word that Nezrin is extending her stay with Sartok. Falcon is finally strong enough to travel again, and they visit the other watchtowers. On one of their stops, they are confronted by the Burlad tribe of Ruck Riders and their leader. They're searching for the three Ruck hatchlings that went missing. He and Bort are betrothed. Cash and Tiff's Kale off that Rolf ordered a bunch of fire lances from Antica to be sent to Skulls Bay. Kale makes a surprise appearance at the Coggins' next council meeting to speak to the foreign trade advisor. He wants to know how much each fire lance costs, then asks to double Aelin's order. He will use the four trunks of priceless treasure as payment. He's trying to show how lucrative the war would be if Aelin continues to buy weapons from Antica. The Coggin is pissed... <laughs> and asks the guards to escort K.L. back to his rooms. K.L. still in a foul mood from the meeting when Irene arrives. He initiates a fight with her just because he's spoiling for one. The whole time Irene is taunting him to take a step. He takes one, then another, and another, until he reaches her and kisses her. Sartok, Nezrin, and shapeshifted Falcon fly to the Ghoulfells, which is covered in webs. They fly high over the area to investigate and see a ruck hatchling. They end up tangled in a web as Kadara flies in to rescue it. It was a trap, obviously. Zatark takes the brunt takes the brunt of the impact for Nezrin and begs Kadara to fly away, which she does. Nezrin and Sartak run further into the mountain pass. Irene tells Kaol she's convinced Hassar to take them on an overnight excursion to Oxara to celebrate Irene's birthday. The group from the palace leaves for Oxara. The royals ride ahead. Kaol and Irene race on their horses. Upon arrival, Irene and Kaol roam the grounds and search for the lost city. They finally come across old pillars leading below, displaying men, animals, fae, and the Valg. It's a fae burial site. Kaol never thought fae settled anywhere besides their own kingdom and Terrison. He wonders if here on the southern continent they produced healers gifted in magic. Maybe the healers could do to help defeat the Valg. After the evening party, Irene asks Kaol about Aelin. She feels out to see if he still has feelings for Aelin or Nezrin. He assures her he doesn't and presents her with a locket as her birthday gift. He wants her to be able to keep whatever she's been carrying in her, po- in her pocket inside the locket. Irene tells Kaol of the note that now lies in her locket. It's from a woman who taught her how to fight and left money for her to travel to Antica. I wonder who that was. <laughs> Nezrin, Sartok, and Falcon climb the mountain pass, trying to find a way out of the trap of the spiders had laid for them. Sartok gets stuck, and Nezrin can't pull him can't pull him free. He tells her he loved her before he even met her from the stories he'd heard, and a spider snatches him away. She and Falcon leave with a plan. It lands Nezrin and an unconscious Sartok in the spider's lair, covered in spider silk. Falcon is behind Nezrin, slowly chewing away her trap. A spider comes in, saying, She's waiting for the Queen of the Valg to arrive. Maeve. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Nezrin asks to hear the story. The spider tells of three powerful dark kings who conquered their world a lifetime ago, who all three fell in love with the Dark Queen. She married Orcus, the oldest and most powerful. 
Maeve was curious about what else is out there among the realms and found a way into Nezrin's world. The spiders came with her and stayed in this spot to guard the gate between the two worlds. Orcus found a way to control these gates. He made three keys, one for each king. They went from gate to gate, con- conquering realm after realm as they searched for her. Meanwhile, Maid had found the Feyland ruled by two queens. She got into their minds and convinced them they had an older sister. She got into their mi- she got into the minds of everyone in the realm and convinced them there had always been three. When the Dark Kings arrived, they did not recognize her in her Fey body. She defeated them and took their keys. She sent the first two back to their world. Before she could send Erewhon back, Brandon arrived and took the keys from her. Maeve greatly feared Brandon's fire, as all thou do. Another spider comes in to warn that 20 rucks are approaching. While the spiders are gone, Falcon chews both of them free. They grab their weapons and flee. Sartok was awake and heard it all. He's unsteady on his feet from blood loss. Since the spiders hate fire, they shoot fiery arrows at them. Falcon shifts into into a spider like them to stay behind and fight. He asks Nezrin to search for his niece, possibly a shapeshifter, who he's been looking for. He leaves his fortune to his niece. A ruck sweeps in to help. Bort and Euron have come to rescue them. Degolfels burns as they fly away. Kael and Irene leave Aksara ahead of everyone else. He arrives at the palace to find his room trashed. The only thing they didn't find were the scrolls they had stuck in Kael's boots. Kale asks Irene to go to the Torre where it's safe. That's part of his purpose, but he also knows Nezrin is due back soon. He needs to probably end, properly end things with her. Irene discusses the scrolls with Hyvisa. She, she tells her how they think healers might be involved and how the Fae might have started their civilization here long ago. Hafisa has, locked, has a locked trunk full of wordmarked books. Her predecessor told her they weren't for human eyes, but she didn't know what they were. Irene wants to take them with her to wants to take them with her to the person Kaol knows who can read word marks. Irene later tells Kaol she's going in and conquering the darkness in Kaol's spine completely today. It's hard, but it works. He ends up fully healed. Upon returning back to the clan and filling everyone in on what the spider said, a messenger rushes in with a note from Kaol. He requests their presence back in Antica immediately. Kael tells Irene his full story starting with when he first met Selena until now. He tells her how Aelin's fire burned the Valg demons out of Dorian and his father. This makes Irene think that the Valg are parasites. She thinks her healer gifts could treat those infected by the Valg with much greater success in saving the host. Hassar tells them the news that Aelin's group defeated Maeve's fleet. Irene takes Kael back to the Torre to look at the ancient texts. Havisa is missing. They find her keys for the wordmark text under Irene's bedroom door. They search the Torre and end up in the lost tunnels beneath the library. They find her bound to a chair and gagged by Duva, the Coggins' youngest living daughter. She's possessed by a Val demon, and she killed her younger sister. Havisa knocks her chair over into Duva, and a fight ensues. Irene stays behind to try and heal Havisa while Duva fights Kaol. He eventually uses a mirror to rebound a blast of darkness onto Duva, and it knocks her out. But she was faking it and shoots and attacks Irene. Kale pushes Irene out of the way and takes the blast directly in the back, becoming gravely injured once more. This guy can't catch a break. <laughs> Duva is eventually overcome, and Nezrin and Sartak arrive with other healers. Irene can feel death imminent on Kale as she tries to heal him, but there's too much damage to repair. She feels her ancestors moving in to help, as well as the Torre healers. This eventually heals Kale, even the old scar on his cheek Aelin gave him, but Irene pays the price to bring him back. She bound his life to hers. His legs will only function properly when Irene's power is at its fullest. When her power isn't full, he will have to use a cane or maybe even a chair. Kale sees the new bond between Nezrin and Sartak. They have a silent exchange and a quiet understanding about their new relationships. They take Duva to the Kagan, show him the ring, and tell him how Erewhon is living in Parrington and has enslaved her to him with this ring. Argan tries to argue. Hafiza shuts him up by asserting this is the truth. Kashin begs Irene to fix Duva, 
to fix Duva, and she says she'll try. Kale talks to the Kagan about what his country has to offer in the war against Erewhon. The demon in Duva is even worse than what was in Kale. Hafiza tries to keep her under a sleeping spell while Irene works. She goes into Duva's consciousness and fights the demon with light. It's hard work, but the demon finally pours out in black smoke. The Kagan says he will give Irene anything for saving his daughter. She has one request, saving her people. Kaol and Irene meet with Nezrin and Sartok to catch up on all they've learned in their time apart. They will all join Aelin's cause, even Hussar. Nezrin then finds a note from her uncle and rushes to, the, to his house. Her father and sister are there safe. Sartok shows up a little later, landing Kadara right by the rucked Nezrin road. Sartok meets her family and then takes Nezrin on a walk. He told his father he's following the woman he loves into battle, and his father appointed him heir. Kaol and Irene set off northward on a boat. They were married before they left Antica. Kaol and Irene sail back to Aurelia with all the healers in tow, the rucks and riders in the sky, and the land battalion with horses and sh- on ships behind them. Irene says she found her courage and doesn't need the note in her locket anymore. She takes it out to show Kaol, and he recognizes the author's handwriting. He can't believe Ayland saved his wife's life so long ago. He tells Irene to keep the note a little while longer because he thinks someone might like to see it. Good job, Amanda. Good yeah. job, Sky. Yeah. You, uh... Good job to both of you. I, so, feel, I feel bad for being so wordy. You're good. It's all good. No, no, it was good. You do a great job breaking them down. But I think you should probably continue to read them. <laughs> we'll see. I'll switch with you. Okay. As long as there's not a million names. Yeah. Let's kill me. Kill me. All right. So anyway. Let's get into it. The nitty gritty. I did not like this book. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be straight up with everybody right away. This was a slow ass book. You predicted before you even cracked the book open that you were not going to like this book. Specifically because it was about K.O.L. <laughs> I, I just have no attachment to him as a character. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I really do. You know how you like we make fun of her for her love for Rowan. I like Kale a lot. I there's I just don't, I don't like ship them anymore. I think that's over. There's no way that's happening. Oh God, no. I I like <laughs> I like that small section though, like when they were because I think like they were good for each other in the moment. But oh yeah, but but I like him as a character. I'm surprised he's not dead, because I think that he should be. No offense. I love him, but I really think... It's like what you were saying in the last episode about how, like, the fear of killing off a main character. I think it needed to be him. And I think she had the perfect opportunity to do it and didn't take it. I like the tie with this, with what's going on where they're at because I think it's necessary for the story. Yeah. But I think it could have been done in a different way, but it does tie in the healers too. Yeah. So like, I think it makes this book makes queen of shadows make sense now in the fact of that he didn't die. Right. This book makes that make sense. I mean, I get it. Because we I, do need all of these characters. Yes, I, I understand that Kaol is now the bridge that connects, it's the southern continent, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To uh, Aurelia. Yeah. My problem is, it it was just boring. I mean, you know, I liked Irene as we read Assassin's Blade. You know, that was my favorite section of that book where... And I'm glad that she she's back and that she's going to have such a huge part in yeah. Kingdom of Ash, as we assume. But there is not a character in this book that I... Um, what is, what's the word I'm looking for that I uh, relate to? Mm. Yeah. I think that's fair. It definitely was slower and a little more boring. And, like, I think the book 
in general, in and of itself, could have been more concise. Like, we could have had less healing sessions that that they did, you know, and, you know, less time of walking from the palace to the Torre and the Torre back to the palace and, like, you know, going up and down stairs and, and just flights in the sky. And, like, there was a lot of, like, additional details that I feel like, yet again, were just filler for the... This... This book could have been a killer murder mystery. Mm-hmm. She sets it up so early with uh, Tumlin's death, and then we just kind of let it go. Yeah, until there, it comes back right. at the end. Yeah. I mean, you know, we could have spent a good chunk of this book really, really digging into trying to figure out who the the Volg was, and we didn't i mean you mean like who who killed the sister right i mean i think they kind of did but they i mean they didn't though i mean it was it was mentioned here and there and then that was it they didn't but then i almost think that it would have been too similar to throne of glass because that's who's the killer that was a big part of throne of glass is like they were in the palace and all these people were dying and who who done did it so i almost think that would have been too similar to the first book that we read. But the problem with Throne of Glass is we knew who did it from the beginning, right? I mean, we all automatically assumed it was um, Cain. Right? Yeah, yeah, but I didn't see the him being controlled by someone else. Right. I mean, that's fair. I don't know. I mean, I just... I feel like this, this is a huge plot point that we kind of touched on at the very beginning. And then we'd see it very sparsely throughout the rest of the book. I mean, they talk about her death as a very significant thing, but Kaol spends his first dinner looking for a black ring, and that was it. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't something that was just forgotten about. It just wasn't something that was actively written for us. It was more something that was supposed to be interpreted as going on. Because while they are trying to figure out the Vogue situation and what's going on and who, like, what the creature might be, you know, if it's Vogue, who's tracking her, what's going on at the Torre, I think, I mean, they're actively trying to figure that out. And I think that parallels with what they suspect may have been been relevant to Tumaloon's death. I think that's some, something that the the reader is supposed to be interpreting as going on when they're they're looking for this other thing. But yeah. that's just the way that I read it. Yeah, you got to be smarter than the words on the page, guy. <laughs> read between the lines. This is an SJM book. You have to interpret. Things. Well, I mean. <laughs> Look, I want to be. To- you I'm have be to totally theorize things. It. I I had a rough time reading this book just straight up because mm-hmm. I mean, we go from, uh, was it Queen of Shadows to so good, yeah. Empire Epic. Empire of Storms, which has I mean, very very decent scenes of action and yeah, and this is a romance novel at its core. For Ezrin and Sartik, or Sartak, sorry, mm-hmm. and Kaol and Irene. Which is fine. I mean, you know, those characters deserve their own development along the way, too. But that's not what I wanted from this book. What did you want from this book? I just wanted... You didn't even want this book. The, I'm not going to lie. I didn't. I, I don't like Kaol. I, I mean, good for him. He gets healed. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. His back breaks again. <laughs> The whole first three Gosh. fourths of this book were freaking pointless. I gotta say, the nerd in me though was just like, "Oh, his toe moved! Oh, that's so exciting! <laughs> like, that's so awesome! Like, oh my gosh, he's walking! He's taking steps! He's medic- riding a horse! It's so good!" The medical nerd in you. Gosh, yeah, because like those parts, I was just like, "Oh, oh, oh he moved his toe! Oh, mm-hmm. he can feel his foot! Oh, oh, okay." But there, it was. Yeah, I agree. It was slow. Mm. 
And, like, I feel like I'm, like, one of the very few people in the world that got excited about that. I obviously was the only one that got excited about that in this group. <laughs> but... I, I didn't dislike the book. Yeah. I enjoyed the book. I f- felt like it was lengthier than it could have been. Agreed. Yeah. There were additional details that I don't think were needed. Like, that were just, you know, descriptive details thrown in. Whatever. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't dislike it. What do we feel about the relationships that happened? So you got Nezrin and then... <laughs> I've been complaining about these all week. Dude, Jess. I'm not a big fan of the will they, won't they um trope. Yeah. It it's just not it's just not my thing, and that's what this whole book was. Oh, they like each other. Oh, they're staring at each other. Oh, they're fighting again. Well, and it was Kaol and Irene, and then Kaol and Nezrin, too, that you just, it Mm -hmm. was kind of like a... Back and forth. Is it or isn't it? Is it or isn't it? Is it or isn't it? Uh, Flashback to Selena, Kaol, and Dorian. Right? Like, geez, that love triangle was chaotic, and I felt like we were getting the same thing with the three of them. I I enjoy the love triangle between Dorian, Selena, and Kaol. It was it was fun. This was not fun. When is the love triangle fun? Well, because I mean, you know, these aren't even triangles either. Because <laughs> they're like love corners. <laughs> That's fair. That's I mean, really I, felt, fair. I feel like Selena's was a little bit more like spicy because Dorian and Kl were best friends, so that added like this weird tension to it. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're into, Sky. Maybe that's why <laughs> you want that weird friend. tension. You do like your best friends a lot. Roy and Nick. <laughs> do you see this? <laughs> I was thinking this love triangle that's going on right now. Oh. <laughs> oh. I do like my best friends a lot. You know? You know? But it was... I don't know. I wasn't a fan of the relationships that came out of this book. I don't, I'm just... I'm so annoyed... Because I felt this way when Dorian had a thing for Sorsha. I was like, these women are doing their job and they're trying to help you. Why do we got to fall in love all the time with people that are just trying to help you? Why does it got to be a thing? Granted, I really liked Sorsha. Their relationship was cute. I mean, it was short-lived, but... (laughs) Literally. But I didn't like... I didn't like... Kayle and Irene. Well, and I just didn't. I understand how she ties in, but I, I don't like their relationship. If you're looking at it in that aspect of of the people that are trying to help you or the healers or whatever, if you dig in a little deeper to that, has Kayle ever really been cared for? So he's probably like, he probably also is latching onto that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's fast. That's why I don't think that it's yeah, I necessarily mean, appropriate. But then they just then they got married. So yeah, what nine weeks is that kind of the span of how long this book takes? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's like you, Sky. Uh, then that's fine. That that's <laughs> great. I mean, marriage at the end of this book makes sense to me because they're already linked together until one of them dies anyway. Yeah. So I mean, why not? Yeah. Why not do it? Which, I mean, is great. The relationship felt extremely forced on both ends of it with Kaol and Irene and Nezrin and Sartak. But at least the second one, I mean, flowed a little more. And it's still early. Right. In it, too. Uh, Yeah, there's just some, some relationships that are happening in this book, like that have turned on the romantic side that I felt like have been really forced. Like I felt the same way with Selena and Sam. I was so upset with how that relationship was portrayed because she had like built him up to be like this huge part of her life. But then I felt like she hated him. And then a couple pages later, now I think I have feelings for you. And I just, I didn't see that connection. Like I wanted to see that build more. Considering he was such a big part of her life. So she said, 
But I feel like there's been, there's been a couple of those relationships where I feel like it's just gone super fast and I wanted to see more, more build up. I think I would have been happier if Kale and Nezrin ended up just being together because they do have history. Yeah, I don't like Kale and Nezrin though. I think I would have been more satisfied. I don't say I think I would like it, but I think I would have been more satisfied versus them just, hey, I just met you, but I think I like you. Hey, I just met you. (laughs) One thing that I like, I like, I like a good romantic relationship in books. But one thing that I think is driving me a little nuts with this series in particular that has so many characters. We've got so many, like, we've got our main characters, but then we've also got, like, our next supporting characters, and then we've got our other important characters. We've got a lot of mm-hmm. big characters. I feel like SJM is trying to pair everybody off yeah. in the large group of characters that are relatively important. I feel like she's making it to where every single important person, they're all coupling off. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, Elite and Lorcan. Don't oh, think it's yeah, necessary. Don't get me started on that whole... <laughs> Dorian and Manon, I feel like it's getting a little too, like, couple there. Like, the flirting, the banter, that's fun. But I think it's just getting way too, like, pair them off sort of thing. Like, it doesn't really suit her character, in my opinion. The, yeah, um, no, it, it doesn't. doesn't. And I just thought and, that, and I thought that was, like, a weird start, too. Because it's just like, okay, we're just starting off this way. But, like, I don't know. And then him just, whatever, like, he could only remember her name whatever yeah but i agree i think that's just like so out of character for her to like be interested in dorian to but... be interested in anyone right like like that right yeah i i don't but know I, I got i got like the the flirting and the fun aspect of it but it seemed like right. there started to be a little more and i just was like mm, i don't really think i don't like that i don't know i, I disagree with the dorian manon one because I feel like they've been building up that relationship over the last two books. How have they been building up a relationship when he hasn't even been him for the last two books? It's just like, it's just been like no, a look here. Because a, when a, they met in the first place, I mean, there. you know, oh, he she, took back hold of his body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's kind of that, that first, because even while he's being controlled by the Volg, he remembers Manon. Yeah, but the extent of it is them walking up to each other with a swagger and a smirk going witchling, princeling, and then that's it. Like, there's not substance to that. It's just like flirting and banter, which it seems like that'd be cool if it stayed that way, but it seems like it's like going to be more. And I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I think, we can ad- I agree think that's to disagree. The, the one I really kind of fall behind. I mean, I just. Weird. If any two people in this series end up together, I'd, I'd like Dorian and Monon. We some together. weird offspring. I'm not, like, opposed. I'm just... It It was in the realm of... I feel like she's trying to pair every single main person off, and I'm just not feeling it. The Leeds relationship is weird. I hate it. <laughs> it's so stupid. She's got... um, What's the syndrome called where... not coming to me stockholm stockholm syndrome mm. yeah she's been traveling with him for so long so she just attached herself to him well and she, but she did that with manon too yeah she kind of was just like oh well yeah but that was a little different due to the witchy stuff and like the lineage there the bitchy stuff i said, I said witchy <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't just, know. I Yes, I agree. The K.L. and Irene was like, it was... I don't like it. Weirdly rushed. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I'll be interested to see how the dynamic goes. Yeah. Not... Yeah. It is... Uh, uh. And I mean, that's the main... They're the main focus of this book, yeah. right? I mean... It, oh. So they're the main focus of this book. I think throughout the whole thing, we know that 
that's pretty much going to happen. But, I mean, it's just it's just not well but written. It doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen. They could have come out of that. They could have come out of that book with the same amount of character development in her um, um, acceptance of people from Adderlin not all being like the king and him opening up and facing his demons and come out as best friends. And it and been that's just fine. I literally think, I think that I want that so bad to have like a female male friendship come out of this to where there weren't feelings like that. They didn't kiss. They didn't have sex, whatever the case. Like I want like a Selena Nehemia relationship, but with a male and a female. Cause I feel like she's hooked up with everybody. Well, and you know where we're at right now for that. I mean, we get that at the moment with Adian and Lysandra. Kind of. Yeah, but for how much longer? I don't know. I I'd be okay if they stayed where they were at right now. I like them as they are right now. But I want main characters to have that. Like I think that they're backup characters. I mean, they're her court right now. I mean, I still think of them as side characters. Yeah, I agree. I don't think of them as well, the main. Okay, it depends on what book we're in. Because do I think of Irene as a main character in general? No, but she's um, a main character of Tower of Dawn. Yeah, but that's the difference. Is I mean, she's a main focal point of that book, whereas Adion and Lysandra aren't a main focal point of the books. Who, but okay, Aelin and, and Rowan are. So Empire Storms, you would say Aelin and Rowan are the two main characters. Yes. Yet, we've got three perspectives in that book. I say, I say, why would throw Manon I'm, in there? Uh, that, that's fair. Aelin, Manon, or maybe... Rowan. See? It's tricky. But I would never put Adion and Lysandra in that. Either way, I wasn't trying to debate who's a main character and who's not. I was just saying, of our important people... I got you. Whatever. I, I, I like mean, their I, dynamic. I follow what you're saying. I like their dynamic too, but I think in the end of this, they are going to be together. It's calling it. Adian called it on the beach. <laughs> yeah, but will that happen by the end of the last book? I think it'll be assumed. Read between the lines, you know? No, I, I really think at the end of, what is it, Kingdom of Ash, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to get a epilogue 10 years in the future where Adion and Lysandra's kids are running around playing with the whole Twilight thing. Dorian and Manon's kids. Good God. <laughs> where Maeve sees into the future <laughs> and she's going to see all of their kids running around together on the beach. Where Aelin That's and not Rowan what we do on sex. the beach. <laughs> yeah, where Aelin and Rowan had sex. Same beach. <laughs> Where, what are we doing? <laughs> this this I, took a dark turn. I feel like there's not, I don't know, like, what else to really talk about. Because, like you said, it was pretty much relationship-based. We talk about the giant smack mm-hmm. in the face that is Duva being the bald. I was going to say, what did you guys think of the different characters? Because other than Kaol and, I mean, kind of Nezrin, everybody else was new. Yeah. Everybody else was brand new. I just, I don't, uh, I'm not attached to anybody in this book other than well, maybe I Irene. I didn't ask who you were attached to. I was just asking what you thought of anybody. Uh, they, or the dynamics or the politics or whatever. And yeah, I don't know. The only one who got any real book time was Sartak. Sartak, yeah. And I liked him. I mean, I think, I think he's a, I like the Ruck Riders. I like. Yeah, that was cool. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the. You know, I liked getting more involved with like the spider silk and stuff because it's always been like a little detail, like throughout the books, like how expensive it is and all this. And so I liked adding like that extra where it came from and whatnot. That was cool. I like that. Yeah, we liked how we found Lysandra's uncle. Yeah, it's a nice additive. Yeah, I did like that. Uh, Falcon. Falcon. I thought that was that was a nifty part of these books was, you know, there's the callback to Assassin's Blade again. 
And hey, um, so Maeve is Vogue. Yeah, what the fuck? She's a Vogue queen. <laughs> queen of the fae, my ass. She's, honestly, because like when we first met her, she's, she's brutal. Mm-hmm. Like, straight up cruel. And then like, with these two books, you just find out more and more about her. Because these books were essentially about Maeve. Yeah. I mean, Tower of Dawn, I mean, they're trying to recruit for the war against Erewhon and whatever. But, I mean, Empire Storms is all about fighting Maeve. Erewhon was not a focal point of these books at all. That's no. why I was like, we have one more book. And, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Which, yeah, he was just very brief. But Maeve, Maeve is, she's a force, man. Which, I mean, you know, my question in the last episode yeah. rings even more true. Who is the big bad of this series? Is it Maeve or is it Erewhon? Are we going to see a Maeve versus Erewhon? Freddy versus Jason? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't think we'll see that, personally. Well, because Maeve, well, well, Maeve married Erewhon's brother. Yeah, right. like, this was a big, like, he was in love with her. Yeah. This was a big Cause all three, thing. They all three fell in love with her, and she chose the older one. Orthus. Orcus. 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 So, I mean, they've, they've got a story there themselves. Yeah. Like, we could have a whole other series going on. I think there's got to be some sort of interaction or connection or something between the two in the last book. Because this entire issue of old happened because of these mm-hmm. two and the other brothers. Right. I here's here's what I hope coming up. Aelin learns that she can burn iron <laughs> and then just burns Dorinel to the ground with Maeve inside of it. And let's just let's just nip this the whole story in the butt right now and get on to the the war. I mean that I mean that's all I want to see at this point. Do you think that they're going to figure out a way to bring back the other two brothers. I'm really wonder. I think something has to go on with the other brothers. But I don't know if that means them coming to this realm. Or them being any sort of active part of anything. Mm-hmm. But they're going to be mentioned at some point. Well, I feel like they were talked about a lot more in these past two books than they have been thus far. Well, because that's they were just discovered. About the backstory and stuff, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like they were brought up a lot, a lot, a lot. Because then they like didn't know, like, were they actually dead, or did they just send them back, or yeah. what's going on. So I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to make a comeback, too, if they're going to figure out a way to open up the doors. There will be some sort of touch base on them how it is i have no idea maybe it'll be like a whole like godzilla versus king kong thing where no one has to do anything and they just destroy everything themselves well i mean if a uh, volg is banished back to their realm can they get back through they, they, there are a bunch of questions that kind of i think someone has to let them out i don't know Plus, we don't even know if they're just banished or if they're dead or what. Yeah, we still don't know that answer. That's what I'm saying. We're going to hear about them again. There's so, just in what regard. There's so many things. So many, so many questions I have with one book left. She's got one book to answer all those for me. It is 980 pages. I don't know. It's a big book. There are a lot of questions that need answered and a lot of questions that will not be answered. You know, they talk about Erwan's brothers jumping realms. Where does that play in at? <laughs> I'm telling you, like, that whole... Nope. Don't even open the can of worms <laughs> right now. But that whole that whole story with Maeve and the brothers that could be like a whole different series in itself. Yeah, and like, like a what happened prequel with that war. Yeah, honestly, I would read that. A, a very, very prequel. <laughs> yeah, I would read that. Hmm. 
Well, guys, I mean, anything else to to really add? I mean... I'm curious the future of Rifthold. Is it even going to exist? Exactly. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering how that all is going to go. I'm curious what Elway does in this next book. I mean, yeah, we haven't heard anything out of, uh, what is it, Bonjali? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think Dor- Dorian's going to make a comeback in the next book. Because like you said, he was very quiet. The Empire Storms that he was in. Very weird. I think that he's, I think he has, like you were saying, he's the key. Like, he's got to be a huge part in what's going on. I'm curious to see what happens with the whole Krogan situation. Oh, I'm, that's a whole other added to the story, too. I'm definitely assuming that uh, that she's going to end up rallying them together and joining them to the cause somehow. I say, do you think that that part was only added in so she could bring in allies, in allies more than her broken bond with her witch sisters that is like she has some, but some are not like with her because of what she did with her grandmother? I think it was a good... I think it's a good plot, a, a good plot point. I just don't think it's going to go any farther than, hey, this is where you're from. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go talk them into helping us. Yeah, well, I, I don't mean, think it'll go much farther than that. Maybe we might hear something about the wastes and working with Ansel or giving it back or something about the curse. or you know. that's, that's an area of Aurelia that I wish I had more background on. Like more. I want to hear more about the wastes. Yeah. Again, could be a whole different series. She could have so many spin-offs. They can't put more details into that than my synopsis would be way, 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 way too long. <laughs> Sarah J. Moss is really good at world building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like her characters in this series just really, really lack. And, I mean, you know... Irene, for example. I mean, yeah, she's got a sad backstory. But, I mean, there's nothing else really written to her. Right? Oh, she falls in love with K.L. End of story. So, I mean, I really hope she flushes that stuff out. I say, I think that she's going to be a big part in the next, like, trying to figure out how to heal people. Well, and then who she is as a person. Because keep in mind, before, like... What we know of her is she was with her mother and learning just as, you know, mm-hmm. a you know, late child. And then her mother was killed. It, like, so all, all that she had of normal life was, like, short. And then it was just moving along. And then it was barmaid stuff. And then it was at the Torre. There's no way of really figuring out a sense of self at that, you know, at any point in that. So it's hard to really get her as a person, her as, you know, what she does, what she likes, how she does things, interests, you know, things like that. Because she really knows. Exactly. Because she was just trying to survive most of the time. I mean, girl didn't even have like friends because Mm -hmm. they don't have time for that at the Tory. So, I mean, she's just kind of floating along, just doing stuff that she's got a purpose for and that's about it. So I can understand her not being like super flushed out because she just isn't as a person. Just my thought. I mean, I get what you're saying hundred percent. I just, uh, yeah. I'm glad it was a tandem read because that is the only way I would have gotten through this book. And I'm uh, there were there were nifty pieces to it. I mean, you know, the the Stygian spiders or Stygian spiders, however you say it, being reintroduced as a bigger part of the story. Um, Falcon, I really like him mm-hmm. coming in and being like, "Hey, yeah, that was cool." But I just feel like it just really lacked meat. You know what I'm saying? It would just I feel like this was a bare bones story that didn't have any And that's okay. You don't have to defend yourself. You can just not be a fan of things. Oh, I know. And I mean 
Back to Falcon, though. Him meeting Aelin again as Aelin. Like, and I wonder if he's going to get his years back. Like. Mm-hmm. Another question to the list. curious. Yep. All right, guys. Well, anything else you guys want to add? Nope. Well, let's rate it up. One to five. Amanda? I'm going to say 3.5. Jessica? 3.7. I give it 2.3. Okay. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm not going to try to defend myself anymore. It had some good points, but not, not my favorite, so. Fair enough. I think that was only point one more than what you gave Assassin's Blade. Bet you wish you could increase that now. <laughs> I, I can't wait to go back and start editing these recordings. That way I can mark down what we've actually rated everything. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, it wasn't that much better than Assassin's Blade at the time that I read Assassin's Blade. So. Yeah. And I definitely, I liked it more than Assassin's Blade. I liked different, different parts of the stories. I didn't like how they transitioned from one to another. Yeah. Yep. But I still, I still enjoyed the story. I wasn't like on the level where I couldn't put it down like Queen of Shadows or Air of Fire. Yeah. But I was definitely, I still wanted to finish the story. Yep. I think both of these books really lacked that grip on you yeah yeah anything else to add guys let's wrap it up then you both look tired so do you pretty late it's like (laughs) two in the morning all right everybody thank you for listening to a court of books and booze you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts um if you're interested in listening to any more podcasts, make sure to check out the Golden Mojo Entertainment Network of Podcasts. <laughs> they have the Murd Nerds, the United States of Paranormal, the Indiana Cheese Fans, the Golden Image Podcast, and the Call Guys. Hey, Colton, suck it. <laughs> God. And that's all I got for you guys. So, thanks for listening. I'm going to bed. (laughs) Bye. Read with you later. Mm